Welcome to The Privy. I am Courtney, and I am here with a special guest for Pride. Um, this is going to be the last episode for Pride Month. I have the beautiful Josh Rivers. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, hailing all the way from the London. UK. Yeah, yeah. But how did you end up there? Well, I went back to... I'm, I'm from the UK originally. My mm. mom's British, dad's African-American. Okay. So I was born in the UK and then went to high school in the US and then came back to London for fashion school. Oh, darling. Yeah. Oh, she's fancy, darling. Yeah, I'm one of them uppity niggas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Atlanta is far too small. <laughs> so one of the reasons I invited you here, because I think you are killing the game. Um, you have a podcast called Busy Being Black. Tell me a little bit about that and how you got started with that. Well, Busy Being Black, I call it a healing project. Mm. You know, I went through a very um, traumatic time in my life, and I was looking for a way to reconnect with my community and with myself and find a way of finding my voice again. And, and trying to not be scared of talking. And as part of that healing process, and, and before Busy um, took off, I was having these amazing conversations with queer black people who were offering me such insight and advice and were using their own life experiences to kind of help me understand where I was in my own life at the moment. And as I was listening to, you know, and, and having coffees and dinner with these amazing people, I was like, God, people need to hear this, right? Like, people need to hear the collected and collective wisdom of our community, right? People who have lived and survived and have thrived and who have been through it all and then some and who come out winning. And so I, yeah, and so I thought, let's record these kind of conversations for busy. And I've always been super inspired by Krista Tippett's On Being, which is like my favorite podcast on earth because she has these kind of very deep searching, roving spiritual conversations that go into the real depths of who we are. And I, I, I couldn't hear anything like that from a queer black perspective. I think we have so much to talk about and so much that we've been through that I think if we can uncover these stories and talk about them in a, in a safe space and in a beautiful way, we might be able to help other people on their own journeys. Prior to that, were you, did you ever feel disconnected? I know for myself, when I was starting to think about doing an LGBTQ podcast, um, I had actually thought about, am I gonna do a black culture podcast or a LGBTQ podcast, because I felt there was some disconnect for me. I felt like I kind of grew up kind of living in a bubble, and then I had a realization moment. Were you disconnected? Did you ever feel disconnected from the community at all, or was there ever a disconnection from your queer blackness? I think certainly from queer blackness in that I didn't know how the two intersect, mm. and I didn't know, you know, how do, how do you thrive at this particular intersection, and what is that history, and what do you do when you know what that history is, et cetera. And, and it took me a while to get to that specific point where I was like, oh, I'm queer and I'm black at the same time, and that's actually a beautiful thing to mm. be. And so I've certainly felt disconnected from blackness from you know the time I was y very young. I can remember actually when I was 12, I got home from school. Is it okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. I can remember when I was 12 and got home from school, and I had said to my dad um, that you know the, the black guys were bullying me. You know they really didn't like me, and I couldn't figure out why it was. And he like grabbed my wrist, and he turned it over, and he said, "You see this? You're a house nigga. I'm a field nigga. Like that's why." What? Shut up. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if that's how you have a conversation about race and colorism <laughs> with your kids. <laughs> they don't write that kind of stuff down, um, but. In that moment, I was like, oh, I'm never going to belong in this community because of my skin color. Mm. And 
at 12, I thought that is just the most preposterous thing. I can remember thinking, this is so stupid. Like, I don't, I don't know what this means, right? Like, I don't know what it means to be a lighter skin tone than my black brothers. Like, I don't get that. And so I decided just to shut myself off from the race conversation altogether. And I think that because my dad was in the military, because we were like relatively inoculated on military bases, I could kind of do that, right? I could kind of be this like light-skinned nigga who like didn't really care about his race and who moved through the world um, kind of unaware, really, mm-hmm. of, of blackness, as it were, and kind of, and certainly what my um, siblings and, and darker-skinned siblings were going through. And so it was when um, the Baltimore riots happened, um, and I was sitting in the barber chair, <laughs> And I was reading the New York Times, of course. And <laughs> the mayor of Baltimore, um, the, the sorry, the residents of Baltimore, the black people of Baltimore were rioting, right? Because um, nothing was being done about the death of, um, of one of our brothers. And Obama and the mayor and whomever else in, in positions of power in Baltimore and, and further afield were admonishing the we're admonishing black people for responding in that way, right? For burning the city to the ground. And I just burst out in tears. Like I did, wasn't expecting it. I started crying. And my barber was like, what are you doing? Are you okay? <laughs> I was like, it's just by the grace of God that that's not me, right? That it's just by the grace of God that I'm not in Atlanta or Baltimore or New York and that I haven't died by the hands of the police. Um, and I would burn the city to the fucking ground if people didn't respect and appreciate black life, right? Mm-hmm. If, if whatever we were doing wasn't working. Right. And if you've got to burn down a city to get people to understand, I felt like that was a perfectly fine way to do that. And I think that people prioritizing the city, the mm-hmm. buildings, the, the infrastructure over actually the pain and the hurt of an entire community of people who felt invisible, unseen, victimized, marginalized, I thought was really unfair. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks that I had to, it, is that, it was that moment I became a, a black man, mm. right? It was like, fuck, you can't ignore this anymore. So I went out of the barbershop, called my mom, who's a white woman, and I was like crying, and I was like <laughs> enraged, and I was like, what do I do with all this stuff? And she's like, I don't know. Like, I can't help you be a black man. Like, you've got to figure that out for yourself, but I'm really glad you're having this moment. And so once I woke up to that, it was a few months later that I realized that my queerness was an asset as well, and that for all the criticism I had lobbed at my dad for his response to my coming out, he had never kicked me out. He'd always been very supportive. And I grew up thinking that I could be whatever I wanted to be and I had never questioned my sexuality. And so a few months later when I made that realization, the blackness and the queerness kind of collided into each other. And I felt like, and this will sound a bit woo-woo, but I felt like I had a coming to Jesus moment. And I was like, ah, this is where I'm supposed to be. Right. So does that, that was a very long way of me. No, 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 no. I want to say, <laughs> no, no, no. I love that because. Like rambling. Uh, no, 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 no. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I love that because I don't know exactly when I had that realization moment, but it wasn't until recently. I would say probably in the last three years when you actually realize, oh, I'm black in this space of predominantly white friends, predominantly even for me, like straight people. Um, I'm, I have always kind of like been the minority. I've been the only black person. I've been the only gay person. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I've just kind of shut it out unknowingly. Mm -hmm. I just lived in this bubble and it wasn't until probably just a couple of years ago, I realized, oh, 
Yeah. No, 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 no. Like, I'm black. Yeah. And <laughs> I need to be proud of that. And I need to kind of just lend that voice for the community. And I think for those of us who are queer, we can often feel like blackness does not include us. Yeah. Right? There's no space within blackness for us. Mm. And I think actually that's really not true. And, and I think both as black people and as queer black people, and in, in queerness in general, but if... <clears throat> If you look at the if you look at history, right, the contributions of queer black people have been erased, right? And so when I had this like and so it's very hard for us to find ourselves or locate ourselves within history. And locating ourselves within history can be such an edifying and fortifying experience, right? Because you know that you're not the first to do this. You come from a long line of people who've been here doing this kind of work. In any case, I hadn't heard about Bayard Rustin until twenty sixteen, right? And at that point, I was 31 years old, or 32, mm-hmm. or 30. And um, <laughs> I was having dinner with someone. And I was reading Malcolm X's autobiography at the time. And I was like crying over dinner, because I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm reading this autobiography for the first time. I'm, I'm taking in all this information about blackness. I'm also trying to add in queerness. I'm not sure where that fits. And they were like, oh, have you heard of Bard Rustin? And I was like, no, who's that? And they were like, literally organized the 1963 March on Washington, was the queer black man supporting Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. was a Quaker, and just went through like this like litany of achievements of Bayard Rustin. And I started crying again. I was like, why don't we know about these people? And so now I have Bayard's name tattooed on my leg, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, this is this one on my left leg. Okay. And I have Baldwin's name on the other. Because I think once we can find ourselves and anchor ourselves in this history, right? And, and history is full of us. Um, until we can do that, I think that we feel rather untethered from everything. Mm. Yeah. So let me... Okay. That's so, a segue, I think. No, the seg- <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go somewhere else, actually, but I want to... What... I'm going to go here first. Um, what What do you think attributed to... like? So So now, I follow you on Instagram. I think you're your stories are absolutely hilarious. <laughs> um, but one of the things I really love and value about you is that you're so unapologetic to say whatever is on your mind. What has gotten you to that point? Oh, that's very interesting that you think that. Because <laughs> 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 I often don't feel like that. Really? No, no, Oh, no. my God. Sometimes you say stuff and I'm like, that is hilarious. That is so true. And I'm like, shit, I need to get more comfortable with just saying shit that is very accurate. Even a couple of weeks ago, you said something about Taylor Swift, and you made it out of a joke, but it was very true. Like, oh, yeah, like... Yeah, like, that's yeah, a very, that's what I'm... So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, what, so you just say whatever's on your mind. Like, well, so, some, it's, a thought will pop into my mind, mm-hmm. and unlike when I was younger, and you should just say what came out of my... Yeah. popped into my head immediately, I don't do that, right? And I now I've let things stew a little bit because I think it's important to find out what you actually think for yourself and I don't think that we do enough of that at the moment and so when I am I, I do love my Instagram stories it just because <laughs> and there is such great engagement right like people really respond to what I'm putting up there and so it's kind of this positive feedback loop but um, so anyway so I, I, I tend to stew on what I think first and so whether it's you know um about race and queerness and about whiteness and and all of that, you know, to the more existential crises that I, that I tend to have. I don't necessarily say the first thing that comes to my mind, but I do think about what it is I want to say and what I think, and then I put that out instead. So I think in asking how I got to this point, there are some things I just won't 
I can't stand to be silent about. Mm. And that is, and at the moment, it tends to be this kind of like effusive praise we heap on people for doing the absolute minimum. And it drives me so nuts. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I- it just, I just can't stand it. And it be, because black people, we have to work so hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, like we have to, we have to put in so much effort and sometimes they really resent that we have to do that. Right. And then you find these white people who do the absolute bare minimum and everyone's like applauding them and crying and praising them for doing this. And I'm like, you know that black people have been saying this since time. <laughs> and Ellen Page is now saying it and like de- delivering the soliloquy on fucking late night television. And now it's groundbreaking, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> where, do, where do you think that comes from? Why are we in that space? And because I, I find even other black people do that. Yeah, someone, I saw a tweet the other day that someone said like, it's a shame that like, other black people won't sign off your work until white people do. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, gut me, bitch. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ouch. <laughs> it's so true, though. It is so true. Yeah. I feel like we are in a... I think now it's starting to change, but I think that we seek the approval of like the main white mm. kind of that world and once we get to that we feel that we have accomplished something higher yeah and we don't celebrate each other enough yeah and that validation and approval is it's it's i think it's it's certainly for me it's one of those like lifelong journeys like who am i doing this for right and i asked myself a question um in early 2018 Okay, let me just tell you what it was. But so basically, Big Brother had reached out to me. I haven't spoken about this. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. So Big Brother had reached out to me to see if I wanted to go on their show, on the show, and I was like, well, I do have something to prove, and I do need to like get my story out there, and so maybe I'll do it. And I did a poll on my Instagram stories and was like, should I do Big Brother? And ninety-seven percent of them were like, yes. And even though I knew the answer inside was no. Because, uh, oh, even though I knew the answer inside my head was no um, I wanted to see what other people thought in any case so the next day I was reading like this one of my pretentious you know articles or whatever and there was an article or an essay about technology from like the 1940s and I can't remember the guy's name but he was saying that basically and I'm summarizing and paraphrasing but this guy had this incredible idea and it was so smart and it was so ahead of its time but he spoke to the wrong people about that idea, and it was lost for generations. He spent so much time and so much energy speaking to the wrong people that his brilliance was overlooked. It was just missed. And I was like, ah, no, I'm not doing Big Brother. I don't need to speak to those people. <laughs> I don't want to speak to the unwashed masses, thank you. Yeah. I want to speak to queer black people. Love it. That's that is who I'm here to serve, yeah. right? And I think this, this pursuit of validation, of recognition, of seeing our name in lights, of, of getting our flowers, right? Who are we getting them from? And I think we have been indoctrinated or brainwashed or whatever, or, or simply by virtue of surviving, right? <laughs> we need white approval. We need white people with the means, access, and opportunities to get us into spaces that we might not be able to get ourselves into anyway. And so perhaps black people are not looking at each other 
in this in the way that we could be because we're too busy trying to get access to the spaces that weren't designed for us in the first place. And I think so much of what we're seeing now is a community of queer black creators, content creators. If you look at 10th, if you look at what you're doing here, if you look at Travis Alabanza, at the rise of queer black talent, I think we're all really now looking at each other and saying, okay, how can I help you get to where you're going? How can I validate and legitimize, legitimize your work? Um, and how can we do this together more collectively? So I think it is happening, but I think that we have to build the institutions and the spaces that are designed to amplify and support us in the first place. Because right now we're still out there with a begging bowl yeah, for white people to be like, you know, people asking me all the time, are you gonna make busy being black broader? And I'm like, really? it, it's literally busy being black, so I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> what, how broad how, how broader you want me to be? <laughs> Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you make, can you make this? And the thing about it is I got an email from <laughs> this um, self-identified straight cis white man mm-hmm. who I had met at an event for one of my other jobs. And I was talking about Busy Being Black and he was very interested and blah, blah, blah. And he actually went away and he listened to it. And after three episodes, he sent me this beautiful, if long, email. And was like, as a cis, white, straight man who feels like I can't do anything right at the moment, um, I was so blown away by the, by the show and what I heard, and I feel like I'm learning. And it's just nice to be able just to listen to other people talk about what they find wrong with the world and what they find wrong with white people sometimes. <laughs> and, um, and I read that email and I was like, you know, so there's something about podcasts that I think is quite private you know, you put your headphones in, you, no one really knows what you're listening to. And you can't talk back. You can't interrupt the people who are, are talking. And so you're kind of forced to listen. But I think when you're listening to a show like Busy Being Black or The Privy or, or any of the other incredible you know, content that's out there, and we're talking about things like identity, belonging, community, finding ourselves in history, what does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to thrive in this space? What does it mean to pursue your dreams? What about fear? What are you scared of? Why are you scared of it? These are, these, are, these are universal themes. Everyone is questioning themselves about this. Well, any of us who are doing the work, right? right. Not really. <laughs> we know that so many people are not doing this very important work. But those of us who care to be on this journey um, of self-awareness, of, of getting to the place we think that we deserve to be in, we're questioning our identity, what it means to be homosexual and according to glad that is an outdated term excuse me <laughs> i'm sorry glad um but you know what it means to be gay queer questioning in this what does it mean to be black what does it mean to be a cis white man i mean that's for them to figure out but i think it just proves that we're having conversations that reach far beyond the very narrow ideas that we have about each other yeah and i think it's it's a great originally when i first started i was kind of on that journey trying to trying to make people accept me. So I was like, initially it was like, oh, I'm a bridge to gap. And I get questions like that too. Like, why don't you have me on? I was like, well, you're, you're straight. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know what you can really offer yeah. to the community, but okay. Yeah, and you know, straight people don't have enough platforms. <laughs> Courtney, come on, open yours up. They do not. I need to wake up. Um, but Stop being so selfish. I feel like it is so important. Like I had a, a probably like five or six episodes ago, I had this episode about religion and how that kind of crossed something I was going through with a friend. And she's a white, straight female. 
I put the promo up for her on, on the Instagram, and she said, oh, I can't wait to listen. And I was like, oh, gag. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> but it turned out to be one of the most beautiful things I've ever went through. Because she sent me this long, beautiful message saying, like, I'm so sorry I, I listened to the podcast for this and what have you. And I think it's really powerful to use those honest perspectives, your honest voice to tell your story. Yeah, and we is. never know what someone else is going through. Yeah. And, you know, for Busy, we had a conversation about queerness and religion, or particularly queer blackness and religion with Reverend G.D. McCauley, who's like one of the only openly gay, black, HIV-positive church leaders in the United Kingdom. Wow. And I just got goosebumps thinking about it. I know, He's such a remarkable man. Wow. And, you know, I have friends, and, and myself included, who went through so much pain in the church, right, who desperately wanted to belong in this space, you know, for those of us who grew up in the black church, like this is serious for us, right? That this this decision to leave the church um, is painful, right? We we grow up steeped in this faith and this community and this communion, right? This this these long hot Sundays in church, <laughs> your grandfather sweating at the, at the pulpit, you know, like your grandmother moisturizing your your ashy elbows to death three hours later with peppermints <laughs> oh yes oh yes right and there's something ceremonial about this experience that we have and so when great pain is caused in these spaces how do we reconcile that pain and i haven't heard conversations very many conversations about that about and and not for a solution per se Right? How do we just have a conversation together and hold this space together to say we've had similar but different experiences with the church. We perhaps went similar, out, different outcomes, sorry. I, I might not want to go back to the church. I might be exploring my faith in, in other ways. But how do we get ourselves around a table and talk about what hurts about it and what we miss about it? And if we were going to reclaim this relationship with God, how do we do that? And so... I, I love that you did that. You know, I think it's important that we continue to have these conversations, um, m mostly with each other, but yeah. certainly with the church at large. Talk to me about the importance um, of black, queer people supporting each other. What are your thoughts on that? Because I think that's so it's so important. Like, I have honestly went through my Instagram recently, and I just I just be following my people. Yeah. I've been deleting people that are not inspiring anymore. <laughs> Talk to me about like your thoughts on supporting one another and how important that is. I think it's immensely important, and I think that support is subjective, right? I think we have to establish that. And also, on the note of things being subjective, I think we've got to be more honest about what is subjective. Mm. Right, because it would help us define for ourselves what we need, right? And this also links to that earlier conversation about validation, mm -hmm. right? In any case, I think it's support important for us to support each other and, and to figure out what that support looks like um, for us and for them. It could be showing up to your events. It could be reposting your content. It could be coming on your show, you coming on mine. Um, it could be an exchange of information and contacts. It could be talking about your podcast or whatever it is that you're working on and bringing up what your friends are working on. I think that's what I've been so impressed here in New York is like, everyone's like, talk about busy being black. Talk about it. Talk about it. And like in, it's not very British to be like, uh, hi, my name is Josh. I have a podcast called busy. Being. It's just, it's just not the done. <laughs> just, we don't do that. <laughs> but here you like, before you meet someone and sit down, yeah. <laughs> you know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and it's nice though, but 
that people are encouraging you to speak about what you're working on. And, and I think that support is important. And I was having a conversation over dinner the other night, actually. Um, and I said, we should think about how the silent support that we get. So sometimes it, might, it grinds my gears that like my friends aren't sharing more of busy being black mm. on their own Instagrams. Mm. And, you know, d- and I always hate myself for this because like, despite the fact that tons of people are sharing it, I'm like, why aren't my fucking friends doing it? <laughs> right. Oh, get and, in there. Yeah. Oh, we can connect on this. You want to oh, talk, honey? Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about it. Um, but then I was recanting the story and someone, one of my friends was speaking about my podcast to someone else. Someone else spoke about that podcast to someone else, and it came back to me that that conversation started with that friend. Mm. And I was like, oh, people are supporting the show, yeah. right? They are supporting me, even if I can't see them supporting it. And what it, I think it has to do with social media, right? We expect, we've come to expect, rather, these grandiose demonstrations of love, of support. You know, if you haven't made it onto somebody's Instagram feed, are you even really friends? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, are, are you? you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think you are, but yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you tag me in that post? Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I think that we take for granted that people are rooting for us. Yeah. Um, which is a very long way of saying I do think the support is important, and that we could, we should always be doing more to 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 big up our friends and to gas them up. Um, I think I'm quite good at that because I worked in membership and in private members clubs and in branding and marketing and events. And I'm always like introducing people to other people and knowing what they do and say, oh, you'll love them because they do this. And I love connecting those dots. So for people like me who are these kind of like social creatures who like bump into things and and into different ideas, it's fun. And I think that more of us could could be doing that, could be could be amplifying our each other's work. Okay, so with it being Prime Month, I've asked every, I always ask people like, what does Pride mean to you? For me, I think it's changing every year. It's like this year was way different from like two to three years ago. But what does it mean for you? What is Pride to you? Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> I was like, how much, how much time do we have? <laughs> Let me tell you what I think about Pride. Let me tell you. <laughs> you know, like sit down. Um, at the moment, I'm really conflicted with Pride. And not just because it's become this kind of like commercial monster um, that I think distorts and distracts. But, okay, so I'm reading One Dimensional Queer and I've just finished reading it. And if you haven't read One Dimensional Queer and you're even kind of interested in queer history, you must. Okay. I mean, it's fantastic. And it talks about basically the co-opting of the LGBTQ liberation movement from you know the early 70s and how it was kind of methodically made into this vehicle for the advancement of white cis gay people and how the kind of prioritization of gay marriage like despite more marginalized people saying we don't care about marriage <laughs> like that's why the other day I said why are you banging on about gay marriage? We got it, and look, what, it hasn't done anything. Yeah. <laughs> How are you gonna get married? Yeah. You can't find somewhere to live. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense. Like that, that, that we talk about pride, and like our trans siblings, our trans sisters are being murdered. Mm. They're not safe. So what are we proud about? 
and like these advancements that we've made over the past 50 years leave a lot to be fucking desired, I think. And I think that, that we allow this, this month to, and sometimes distractions are important, right? We need, a, we need a reprieve from the crap that we go through every day. Right. But I just think that like what, how, I'm, I'm thinking of a homeless black trans woman today, right now, will be walking across every imaginable street in this city and will be seeing rainbow flags everywhere and will be seeing profligate amounts of money being spent on these decorations that are gonna be thrown away um, that six million tourists are expected to descend upon this city and occupy places and spaces they might normally sleep or eat or whatever. And so even amongst this like huge celebration of pride, we are dislodging, we are moving and disrupting a community of people who are invisible anyway. So how is it that we come and take over a city and we still, uh, we still don't know what our trans, our homeless trans siblings, for one example. And to me, there seems to be this horrible disconnect between this celebration of progress and what actually needs to happen. Where do you think that disconnect comes from? Like, I'm often baffled how people even, like, marginalized people. So, for instance, it, it baffles me that, like, a woman being a woman can't really empathize with a gay man or a gay man can't empathize with someone within the community like a trans woman. I just don't understand that. Me, me personally, I, I remember I was I was seeing someone a couple of years ago, which was kind of problematic. He was this white gay, whatever. Anyway, it was problematic. Anyway, dot dot dot, yeah. <laughs> dot, dot, dot another conversation. You know the girl. rest, yeah. <laughs> and so what happened we, was yeah. he was white, yeah. <laughs> and it got the topic came about about trans and he was trying to argue with me about like science and like it it, it just went left and <laughs> i was Hard so left. confused cuz i'm like how can how can we share this common common sexuality but you don't you can't empathize or there is that like you said disconnect where do you think that comes from i think that's the most baffling thing well i think that we've been taught to think about ourselves Mm. and to prioritize ourselves over all else. And if you look at the history of the LGBTQ movement, or the modern one at least, and when I say modern, I mean starting with the Stonewall Uprising, what about that has been intersectional? What about that movement has ever prioritized the needs of the most marginalized? What about that has extended our understanding of what it means to be marginalized, or to live an intersectional life, or to be a black trans woman, or to be homeless, or to be a sex worker, right? And I think what's happened is we have, sometimes we've been fighting, we, we're, sometimes we've just, we're so used to fighting that it, it can be very hard for us to then extend compassion and empathy to those around us because we're trying to get our shit, mm. right? And I think the more marginalized people get, Actually, that's not true. The, the more, it seems to me that the more marginalized people get, the more they understand the marginalization of others. And the, the further away you, you know, the more, the more you assimilate, you know, the more it doesn't matter to you. Yeah. I mean, let's be, if we're honest with ourselves, yeah. both in this conversation as, you know, people listening to this, like, how often does it cross your mind that there are people 
outside of your immediate sphere of influence who don't have anything to eat tonight. Yeah. And, and that might just be the way that we're built as humans, right? You, you wouldn't necessarily notice and think about that which you can't see around you immediately. So it's not a criticism of like being alive, but I just mean like we have a lot of work to do as a community to, to actively try to fold into our thinking, um, people far outside our, our own experience. But that's not something that we're taught to do, right? We have to go on that journey ourselves to really push ourselves into, into thinking that way. And so it is happening because there are people who are doing great work in providing spaces for people who don't typically have access to spaces and who are amplifying and bringing up and you know shouting out the people who have been doing the real frontline on the ground work. And I think that we're doing a better job at listening to those stories as well. Now, I have one last question before we wrap up, and this is going to be like kind of personal. Okay. So you said something. <laughs> I think it might have been a couple of months ago that you're not, you will not date a white man anymore. <laughs> is that accurate? Talk to me about that. I have been well you define po- accurate. Po- yeah. <laughs> When you posted it, I was like, oh, I cannot wait to meet him so I can dive into that. I want to know. Because I was like, "Ah!" Uh uh-oh. Like, I was like, damn, what's good? Talk to me about that. my DMs blew up. Listen, I went went back on, I was like, damn. I was like, oh, shit, I got to stop fucking with the white boys. Like, what's good? So tell me about that post. What inspired that? Is that something that you... I am actively avoiding dating white men. I feel like I have to put an emphasis on dating and, and not... Okay, dating. Okay, yeah, okay. Just okay. dating. Because I, yeah. <laughs> I can't, get, can't get away from the white D just yet. Um, but dating, because I think it's important as black men that we nurture and love on each other. And I had an experience with a black man that was rather mind-blowing. And I was like, mm, yeah. I'm going to go here. <laughs> Let me focus my energies here. <laughs> and I think that white men reveal themselves to be white men all the time, right? Mm. And that is painting them all with a rather broad stroke, but they've earned it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Um, but I think it's more about us, right? Yeah. I think it's more about us. I think it's... I think that we have been taught and raised within, mostly, right, this kind of Eurocentric white standard of beauty and success and everything else. And so the more we continue to chase after and prioritize the love, adoration, and affection of white men, I think the less we're going to realize how beautiful our black brothers are. Mm. And I think that we have to like try to pull ourselves away from, and this look, this, it, this does extend to sex. I get that. You know, me bouncing on the white dick is not good <laughs> either, but I, it's baby steps. <laughs> A girl got to eat. So <laughs> I'm just saying like, I'm, I'm focusing my love, loving energies on black men. Has that been easier? And I was like, yo, the black of the berry. <laughs> oh, okay, good. <laughs> What? <laughs> I want a blackberry nigga. Yeah. <laughs> I'm high yellow enough for the both of us. I am <laughs> done with you. So wait, has that been more challenging? Because even on dating apps, no, you it's don't super see challenging. that many of us. Yeah. So when you said that, I was like, yeah, what apps he using? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, did he go back to Black Planet? Did he do a, a gay page? I'm like, what's 
good. <laughs> what in the I world? I feel like you have to like seek it out. Like well, you that's actually right. have it's to. Much harder. Yeah. But it is harder. Yeah, it is harder. And also because they're in my experience. There's yeah, it's harder. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's worth it being harder. Absolutely. And also, like, I'm really not interested in dating at the moment anyway. Yeah. So it's not like I have, like, a queue of white men, like, <laughs> around the corner. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, like, I'm not. I'm kind of just, like, at home on the couch, like, sending emails all the time. So <laughs> Swiping now. Yeah. <laughs> like, no one is choosing me anyway. Um, so it just works out. So it just totally works yeah. out. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much for coming, Bo. Tell everyone where they can find you. Busy Bees and... Be, hold on, let me say it. Busy Being Black is, of course, on iTunes, but where else can they find you? So Busy Being Black is on every platform that hosts podcasts. Come on, sis. We out there, Hanny. <laughs> um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Scratcher or Sniffer or whatever it's, it's, it's called. Stitcher. Stitcher. Um, <laughs> must download that app. Um... And then you can follow Busy Being Black on Instagram, underscore Busy Being Black. You can follow me on Instagram, which I think Courtney would recommend. You have to <laughs> follow Josh on Instagram. Those stories just be giving me so much life. Mm, they're fun. Like the one about white people not washing their legs. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Like just all of your, just the material, the Taylor Swift one. I had to go back. I told like three people that joke at that. Because <laughs> I was waiting for it. So I was like, what is he got this? <laughs> Like, what is the analogy that's going to draw the thumbs? Like, we'll cut jeans. You got yeah, it. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're still wearing them. Um, so, my personal Instagram is <laughs> underscore Josh Rivers. And on Twitter, underscore Busy Being Black. Are you? I, you know, I'm never on Twitter anymore. Yeah, you know what? It's a cesspool for the most part. But I am, like, on the black Twitter zeitgeist and black trans Twitter. And I, I say on it, but you know, it's just, it's it's a, it's a not a thing. Like yeah. One rides, as it were. Um, it's just there. It's, it's a it's a feeling or something and so yeah so it's it's interesting for that right yeah so yeah so but if you're not on twitter don't get on it you'll be fine no, if good. you've survived this long without it doll <laughs> i'm good i good. have one i just never go up there i just yeah. don't really want to hear mm, not in that way i gotta no. read all those characters no i should be reading no. a book <laughs> i should be reading a book not your book we'll get one dimensional queer yes honestly and mario Miele's towards a gay communism like that is next level mind blowing. Really? Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I I I have been telling everyone about to, this book. You need to start a black queer book club. I'm going to. You should do it and do yeah. it globally. I want to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to. Everyone's like, "What are you reading at the moment?" And there's people are really interested in in what I'm reading. Um because so, I'm also screenshotting what I'm reading and sharing it with people and then kind of like talking about it as you've seen. Mm-hmm. And I think um, people are interested in doing more of that. So I'm, if, if the people want it, you got to give the kids what they want. <laughs> you want a book club? Yeah, here you can have a book club. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming, boo. It was Courtney, so enjoyable. You are everything that I thought you would be. Absolutely oh. phenomenal. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to share this space with you. And I, I, you know I love the privy, so and it's an honor to be here. Of course. Thank you, Dom. Thank you so much. And as always, you can hit us up at The Privy Podcast on Instagram. We're actually on Twitter, but I don't I don't really check it, so probably not. Yeah, if you find out what the uh, handle is, let us know. <laughs> you should message it to me. <laughs> Until next time. 